0: Hello. Welcome to Muriel's Murders. I'm Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan. Thank you for joining us. Each week, I force Nick to listen to me tell him a story of a true crime. This week, we're talking about Stephen and Jesse Bourne. They're a pair of brothers who terrorized a small town in the early 1800s. And we're going to touch on mysterious disappearances, sex in snowstorms, potato holes, <laughs> uh, mystical psychic dreams, and my favorite thing ever, legal procedure in old timey small towns.
1: Okay, wow. Our potato holes and sex in snowstorms? Combined because they they are not related, they're not related. No, they're different things. Really, kind of, I couldn't tell if there was a comma involved there or if potato holes was intrinsic to sex and snowstorms.
0: No, I'm not going to give that piece of information (laughs) up just yet, but they are not connected.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm still looking forward to this story, as a matter of fact. How
0: do you feel about old-timey crimes? I
1: like them a lot because they can be just as brutal as modern-day, like she was stalked on the internet crimes. Uh-huh. But there's just, you know, a some distance and you can kind of like kind of get into the psychology of people without feeling like you're being, uh, I don't know, like invasive into someone's personal life who's currently alive kind okay of thing. okay you know i don't know it's very i like the voyeurism of an old-timey story
0: i like that that sounds like somebody who may be starting to enjoy true crime okay well i'm not
1: but i do like hearing your stories but i don't know why you listen to true crime podcasts oh right but the good news is people do listen to true crime podcasts and we've been getting some great five-star reviews look muriel's murders is a New, growing podcasts, and those reviews really, really help us. We're like a
0: little baby, and yes. your reviews are like milk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: coming from a potato hole Uh still don't know what potatoes (laughs) holes are i'm just filling in the blank and shooting from the hip here uh so thank you so much for those reviews plus Muriel Knight, read them and they fill our little hearts with joy and make us very warm and gooey
0: that's right and remember everyone this is a true story involving murder violence drugs adult themes etc so if any listeners are like nick and they don't want to hear about those kind of things please consider listening to a different podcast
1: and we try not to curse but no promises all None. Right? we might have some inappropriate language so consider yourself warned if you do not like hearing that kind of talk
0: all right nikki are you ready to hear this story no! okay let's get started
1: sex in snowstorms here i come
0: (laughs) it's a very small part of the story (laughs) (laughs) okay
1: what about the mystical dreams thing you mentioned why
0: are you asking me future questions because i'm excited fool. you are excited all right let's hear it okay so this story begins in the spring of 1812 in manchester vermont in new england okay okay so the born family was this super well respected family in manchester Amos Barney Jared and Nathaniel Junior born farmed their collective family land so uh-huh. they have a big plot of acreage and each brother owns their own divided parcel so they're mm-hmm. not collectively farming but mm-hmm. it's the born land right outside of town okay and they all have families and the raise their families on their plots a big know. old crew a big old crew and two of the brothers barney and nathaniel moonlighted in town doing different jobs so mm-hmm. barney moonlighted as a butcher yeah and nathaniel's like moonlighting as a blacksmith right
1: Ooh. That is old-timey.
0: Yeah. So Barney the Butcher, he has two sons in their 30s. That's Steven and Jesse. Okay. So they're in their 30s. They're not married. They don't have any family, Mm -hmm. right? And they have these reputations for being complete crazy asses, right? (laughs) right. (laughs) So back in the day, like, that's an old age to not be married. I mean, Uh for for women, it would be like, oh, you're dead, ancient. But for men, that's still kind of like, okay, your sons are... still getting drunk <laughs> uh-huh. so they would just be like getting drunk they run around town they get into fights They terrorize people one of their favorite games yeah. was that they would terrorize women and girls by getting drunk and just chasing them around the town.
1: Okay. Well, that (laughs) that at least explains why they're not married. Everyone's like, Ah. absolutely not.
0: (laughs) I know. They just do it to scare them. And the townspeople would be like, oh, there they go again. You know, (laughs) they're just like, ah. (laughs) It's horrible. I know. It's pretty horrible. Okay.
1: So they're crazy asses who are also total dicks. Yeah. Right. right.
0: And there's a big issue in Barney, the butcher's family, besides the fact that they're dicks. (laughs) Barney works Primarily as a butcher, and uh-huh. he has this big plot of land, mm-hmm. right? And her his sons are unlanded. Okay. But Stephen and Jesse really strongly feel that he should have given his portion of the family land to them so they could farm it and start a living, right? right. But, because he's not using it, he's a butcher, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But Barney, the butcher, decided instead to give his acreage to their sister Sally, because she has two kids with a feeble-minded husband. Oh god. <laughs> That's from the the source notes, the source okay. source material. So he decided
1: uh, the sister and the feeble-minded husband would They need the, the land. would do the use the land better than his dumbass sons who are busy chasing down women and being horrible.
0: Well, the dirty little secret is that Barney knew Stephen and Jesse were assholes and they would probably run the farm into the ground. So he kind of hedged his bets with Sally and her husband, Russell Colvin. So he doesn't think they're going to do better, but he's like, poor Sally. Uh And Colvin's not going to get a job. Russell Colvin's not going to get a job anywhere else. So he's like, take this land and feed the children. (laughs) Okay, great. Now, the problem with Barney the Butcher's plan is that Russell Colvin, you know, he has a bunch of mental issues. He had, I think, an injury as a child. But basically, his thing is that he disappears, right? He, like, takes these long... Uh, months at a time long disappearances uh, and nobody knows where he goes. So he wanders and runs. Oh realms. my god,
1: for a second there I thought you were saying he like literally vanishes from <laughs>
0: people's eyes. <laughs> it's
1: like, this is old time again,
0: damn. No, 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 not that old time. Okay. We're not like back in the wizard days. <laughs> All right. No, it's in the 1800s. He a, just, goes, he just takes a stroll and,
1: like, uh, and, and no one knows where he went. So he'll
0: go for a few days, he'll go for a few weeks, Sometimes they'll be gone for months. They have a little kid, their kid, Louis, uh-huh. um, who at the time, at the beginning of the story, is around five years old. Right. And he would take Lewis and throw him on his shoulders and then just walk out into the mountains because the town is like bordered by all these mountains and he would just go.
1: Really? And take his kid with him?
0: Yeah, and so would be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and I guess the kid liked it on some level?
0: I'm sure he did. They were really close. So because... Russell would leave for these big stretches of time. Sally, who got the farm so Russell could work the farm, now can't work the farm. So now the brothers and the dad have to come back and work her farm for her.
1: So now Jesse and Steven have to do all the work for their sister's wealth.
0: Right, exactly. Okay,
1: and Barney's probably not too happy about it either.
0: He thought he had solved this problem. Now there's wounds, and then there's salt in the wound. Okay. Right, right. and then to add insult to the salty injuries. Yes. Uh, Sally also hated Russell. <laughs> she <laughs> would complain about him all the time yeah. to her brothers. I mean, it was annoying that Russell left all the time. Yeah. Like, obviously, that strained their relationship, yeah. but she couldn't stand Russell even when he was around. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, her main complaint, according to our source material, was that Russell's sex drive was just way too high. <laughs> so, like,
1: is and it, so that's what she's complaining to her brothers about? Yeah,
0: so that's very awkward. Oh, horny ass Russell. God. <laughs> so, the brother's nickname for Sally was actually, quote, one of the devil's unaccountables, which at first, with old timey language, sometimes I'm just like, what does this
1: mean? I know, what is that? The, was that? Is that a poem? That's the longest well, nickname I've ever heard.
0: Steven has a really great way with words. We'll hear a few more things from him. Okay. So I thought it sounded almost like a phrase, like a turn of phrase. Yeah. But I Googled it. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, that wasn't just getting <laughs>
1: thrown around lightly
0: back then? No, he just was calling her one of the devil's unaccountables. What, but that I even, think, what does that mean? I devil's think, unaccountable? I think it means nothing is her fault, uh-huh. but she's always kind of doing the devil's work. You know, she's she can't be held accountable, mm-hmm. but like her instincts are always just of the devil yeah you know it's not my fault my stupid husband who wants to do it all the time is (laughs) gone and now you have to work my farm and he's like ah it isn't really your fault but why are you like how you are yeah right sort of like
1: probably what people would call these days is toxic or something yeah
0: right so one day Stephen Bourne was once again over at Sally's doing Russell's work and listening to Sally talk about how big of a jerk Russell is and how much sex she had to have with him. (laughs) And Stephen just snaps and he runs out of the house and he runs down the street towards the town and and into this person named William Bourne, who's like one of his distant cousins. There's lots of Bournes in this town. Sure. (laughs) And, uh, you know, his cousin says, you know, whoa, man, what's up? and (laughs) And Steven is just complaining. He says Sally is complaining about Russell and he says, "Quote, I wish Russell and Sal was both dead. Some of these times, I'll kick them both to hell if I burn my legs off doing it." <laughs> Which is uh
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a little wordsmith there. He's definitely focused on devil's in hell he
0: is and that continues okay um <laughs> but yeah you'll kick him both down to hell if you burn your legs off doing it pretty great yeah, he's so mad I'm, right yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay great
0: <laughs> and this is another hallmark of Stephen. Uh-huh. he really likes to talk about how he's feeling so if he's mad at someone yeah he will tell a lot of people about it <laughs> okay great
1: And it's very memorable because he uh, spins a pretty web while while doing so. Yeah, exactly. So
0: Stephen continues on to William Wyman's house, who lives in town. And he has, as far as I can tell some sort of ability to give out legal advice. So he's probably not an actual lawyer, (laughs) but he does give out these legal advice. Right, he probably
1: has a certain hat or something that people consider to be have an air of authority.
0: Right, he's like the fanciest man in town. (laughs) Okay. So Stephen demands that William help him figure out a way to stop Russell from doing all his stupid Russell things like disappearing and having too much (laughs) sex with his sister. So William doesn't really have any ideas and Stephen Just looks at him and he says, If you can't help me, I'm gonna put a stop to it myself. And he storms off. Okay. So later that spring, Russell Colvin and his little son Lewis were digging boulders out of the soil and kind of getting the field ready for planting season. And Stephen and Jesse, what?
1: I just think it's funny. It's like, like we're having a really hard time making money off this land. Like, okay, we'll just dig all the boulders out of the dirt. They're like, mm, we got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> boulder farm. Yeah.
0: So Stephen and Jesse join the Colvins at some point in the mm-hmm. day. And this is witnessed by their neighbor. He's a farmer named Johnson. So he sees the next kind of following series of events. Okay. Stephen criticizes Russell's boulder digging (laughs) and so Russell turns around and punches Steven in the mouth okay all right and then the brothers start to beat Russell with these tree branches until he falls down to the ground and at this point his ten-year-old son Louis just runs off he's got to go tell somebody so he runs back to the house and he sees his grandma that's Barney's wife and that's Mm -hmm. also Sally Jesse and Steven's mother right Uh she's in the kitchen and he says, you know, the the boys are having this terrible fight up on the hill, and she's telling her the whole story. And the grandma looks at him and she's like, You are too hopped up. You're telling stories. Go next door and help the neighbor. And so she just sends him off to do work for six hours. <laughs> he just goes and works the other field. She was like, Nope. <laughs> not gonna have it. So six hours later. Lewis finally finishes the work, whatever he was doing (laughs) for the neighbor. And he heads back to the house. And when Lewis gets to the house, his dad isn't there. His dad's gone. Mm -hmm. And before he can tell his grandma or talk to anybody, Stephen grabs Lewis and he pulls him aside. And he says not to say a word about the fight that they had on the hill or Stephen would kill him. Oh, wow. And Lewis, bless his sweetheart, is like, where's my dad? Fine, fine. I won't tell anybody, but where's my dad? And Stephen just says that he had ran away to the mountains. So he's gone.
1: Okay.
0: And no one saw or mentioned Russell Colvin for three years. (laughs) What? (laughs) They're just like... Russell has this history of running off, and no one really thought about it. And some people thought that he went off to fight in the War of 1812 kind of spontaneous. All right. (laughs) But he's gone, right?
1: Okay, what was up with that war? Is that important to the story at all? No. (laughs) Okay, there's just a war happening and people are disappearing and probably a lot of murders are being chalked up to like, no, I don't know where that guy went. He's a soldier now.
0: Yeah, probably. I think something like that. I mean, I think people were just like, where'd he go? Well, he went off into the mountains. He hasn't been back (laughs) in like two years. Yeah, he probably went to go fight in the war. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. Okay, great.
0: So... In the winter of 1815, three years later, is the worst weather in New England history at Mm -hmm. the time. And I think also up to this point, it was even so bad that there was a blizzard in June, like Mm -hmm. that summer. Oh, wow. So when that happens in towns like that, you know, back in the day, they're just on lockdown. You don't really see anybody Mm -hmm. for the entire summer until people sort of emerge from the... Depths of their homes. So
1: what you're saying is there's a snowstorm. Yeah, there's a big snowstorm. Here's your roommate. I'm so excited. So
0: there's all this bad weather, and then kind of towards the end of the summer, after that early summer blizzard, yeah, people start emerging from their homes, and Sally emerges Uh with a brand new baby boy. Okay, and people are like, "Hey, Russell must have come back in the bad (laughs) weather, right?" And they find out Russell's not there. Okay, great. (laughs) Russell's not
1: back. So Sally was doing it in the snowstorm with someone that's not her husband. Okay, I'm having some (laughs) weird spidey senses. What? Well, her brothers were so weirdly...
0: They're not as... I mean, (laughs) I don't think that's part of it. She didn't have sex with her brothers, I don't think. all right,
1: because... He was really upset. What's his name was so mad about how much sex she was having.
0: I think it was just
1: all weird.
0: Like he's like, don't talk to me about Mm -hmm. that. And then he's like, do I need to protect her against this guy? Uh It's something that was mentioned in this book that I don't think I understand. I didn't have a lot of nuance to it. It, they dropped that they dropped that little piece of information Mm -hmm. and then just didn't touch it again it was just something about the culture back then i don't know well here's another thing about the cultures so this tiny town of manchester Mm -hmm. vermont is just rocking with gossip at this point trying to figure out who sally's baby's daddy is because everybody in the town knows each other Mm -hmm. and sally is for her part just very confident She doesn't even try to claim that Russell came back in a snowstorm and Uh got her pregnant really quick and then ran back out in a snowstorm. Uh Like she is totally fine, confident. She's got a little smile on her face. She gets dressed up. She marches into town to swear the baby to another man. So this is another old timey thing. There used to be a process called swearing the child and unmarried women could go to a lawyer in town and swear the child was fathered by any particular man that she chose, and mm. then that man would be financially responsible without really being able to contest the pregnancy.
1: Oh, that seems like giving women power, which <laughs> seems like that used to never
0: happen. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I'm sure there's like a mm, an explanation about exactly why that would work. I mean, uh, my assumption is like there's no social network i mean you have the church but there's no no social um net right right so if they couldn't do that you could potentially just have people starving i don't think i don't know how long that practice lasted but it was in the u.s and it happened around this time and i think prior to that okay um so you could pick someone out in town like that you liked. It didn't mean you were going to get married, mm-hmm. but it mean they did have to pay for the baby. Okay. So, I mean, there's a huge social stigma for doing it, and maybe that's the deterrent is like right. nobody wants to be – it's not this great thing to like have a baby out of wedlock at that time. Right. And it's then... not
1: like they're getting paid really well either. I mean, children, from what I know based on the story you've told, basically get – told kicked out and told to work anyways you could probably raise a kid on like one dollar yeah
0: right yeah and i think it's it's a huge social stigma Uh, you know for the kid and the mom so i don't think people are just like really into that um so it's not this wonderful thing that helps people get married and get like raises their social status but it does help bring income in yeah for a child who, who, who wouldn't have that. it who needs it sure. right
1: okay so who does she say is the dad
0: well she gets to the middle of town to square it with the town lawyer his name is squire hitchcock <laughs> very good but unfortunately sally's plan was not that great because russell was gone but there was no proof he was actually dead uh-huh. So technically she was still married and then she couldn't swear the child to anyone but Russell. Oh, So unmarried mothers could swear a child yeah. and widows can swear a child. Um, she didn't realize that that was the law. Like women whose husbands run off into the mountains <laughs> can't swear a child, which yeah. is lame, you know, for her.
1: Right. And that's probably also because... She committed adultery, I guess. And yeah, like, we can't have these cheating women go out, well, going out, and it's
0: puritanical law. So I mean, mm-hmm. like she committed adultery is like I, they're all sins. I don't really yeah. know the hierarchy of the sins. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely think. If you're married, you can't swear the child to a different person.
1: Sounds like she's pulling a little bit of the devil's unaccountable
0: uh, in this category. She's a little bit of a hurricane because she's like, I know the law. It's like an early Karen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know the law. And they're like, no, man, that's not how it works. And she's like, no, no, I have a coupon. (laughs) It didn't work. And now everyone knows her business. And now she has a third kid to take care of and mm-hmm. Russell is still MIA, yeah. you know? So that's, it's. she's in a pretty tight spot. Yeah,
1: that sounds like it sucks.
0: Yeah, and she returns to the farm and she's super upset. She finds her favorite person to bitch to, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And she tells Stephen all about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then Stephen comes at her with a very surprising bit of information. Which is? He says she can swear the kid, to whoever she wants because he knows for a fact that russell was dead and his quote is he's gone to hell we put him where the potatoes will not freeze sally was uh, super unimpressed because her brothers are like known to talk a lot of trash in a big game and so she starts questioning them about Uh it where's russell where did he go where did he go and the brothers both just keep saying to hell, <laughs> which also if you have brothers, I feel like this dynamic is really familiar. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally,
0: totally. <laughs> well, tell me where it is. To hell. <laughs> yeah, to right. Hell, okay, to well, hell. what part of hell? Where
1: the potatoes don't freeze. Right. It's I'm, like, that's not even a place.
0: No, it's very enigmatic. You know, I mean, it's like, all right, dude. <laughs> <Where> <laughs> very <the> po- helpful. <laughs> where the
1: potatoes don't freeze. That doesn't even make sense because I feel like they're hell is hot therefore nothing would freeze in anywhere well
0: i don't think that he is a super smart guy and that comes into play (laughs) later as well (laughs) i mean he's saying things really strongly he's kind of like steve carell in the office Uh or like you know it's just uh, he has a uh, strong conviction yeah and maybe um, not a firm grasp of metaphor.
1: Right. Well, it seems like he's still riding high from his great, I'll kick him to hell even if it burns my legs thing. Yeah. And so he's like, that's a good saying. And then he walked around for like eight years, like really pumped on himself. Yeah. And he's like, this is my chance. Okay, here we go. And then just like <laughs> biffed the next, the next effort, just a straight air ball.
0: So after they tell Sally mm-hmm. about Russell's journey to hell, rumors start to spread about Russell's mysterious disappearance and its connection to the two Born brothers. Uh-huh. And the Born brothers definitely run their mouths. So most people have heard them talk about killing Russell. <laughs> right. And their motive is really strong, right? I mean, they haven't, they want the land Yeah. and they're working the land and they can't get the land away from their sister and their sister yeah. can't work the land. Yeah. Right. So by the end of 1815, Russell's still not back. And Barney Bourne, the butcher, he just wants to unload the farm at this point. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to keep working it and be a butcher and yeah. give you this money. It's too much work. Yeah. So that's great news for Jesse and Stephen, mm-hmm. right? Wrong. <laughs> he just ends up selling the farm to his neighbor, <laughs> the guy Johnson. He sells uh-huh, it.
1: The one who watched them beat Russell with tree branches. I mean, at this
0: point, these guys are pushing 40 and he's like, you can't have the farm. I'm just going to sell it to this guy. So, I mean, like there's, that means that they're pretty bad dudes. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because they're strong enough to work the farm. They can work the farm. I'm like, what do you think he's going to do? They're going to do with this farm.
1: Yeah, right. I don't know. He's just like, let's get a bunch of women on the farm. Then we can chase them around and scare them. Like, That's <laughs> not how no farms work. Like, mm, okay, I guess sell it to Johnson.
0: <laughs> so Sally and her kids move in with the other born uncles, and Jesse and Steven go on getting drunk and terrorizing the townsfolk. <laughs> Now, a few years later, one day, the Johnson kids are playing in the back lot behind the old Born farm. So back where they were digging boulders uh, mm-hmm. those years before. And they find in the dirt buried Russell's old hat. And Johnson remembers the hat as being the same hat he saw Russell wearing the day he was digging stones. So he kind of just files that away in his brain. Right. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's some rumors spread or whatever, but he kind of files it away. He doesn't go off accusing people. Okay. And then later that year, Johnson was hoeing in the back and he found an old potato hole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is a potato (laughs) hole? Okay.
0: Homesteaders used to dig potato cellars under their homes to keep them from freezing, to keep the potatoes from freezing. And even though a lot of the houses had kind of rotted away Mm -hmm. or people had moved or they had fallen down, the land was still kind of dappled with these potato holes. So it was pretty common to find these like random potato cellars. So there's just holes dug in the ground that would be filled with potatoes for the winter.
1: Or where you would put Russell's body. <laughs> there you he go, Where the potatoes don't freeze. So, oh man, I was kind of hoping that was just a dumb saying, but it was actually a legitimate place. Yeah, okay, right. right. So
0: the hole opens up, the one that Johnson funds, it opens up into a cellar. Mm-hmm. And inside this cellar, there's this little apple tree. It's kind of rare but it's like yes johnson's pumped right it's a full like sapling apple tree all right so he marks that in his brain and he comes back later he's got his shovel and he's gonna dig it up and transfer it to his orchard mm-hmm. and it's gone and all the dirt around it is dug up and there's like a bunch of fresh dirt. So
1: he got jacked for his apple tree. He got
0: jacked, and he was actually really upset about it. He filed it in a way his brain. It was like somebody took my apple tree. But the other thing he files away in his brain is, yeah. what did they dig up in the cellar? They dug up enough of the cellar that mm-hmm. it was more than you'd need to take the apple tree. So the apple tree's gone, but yeah. the the cellar's all dug up on the bottom.
1: Okay hmm okay like enough for a body to have been underneath maybe, the apple tree maybe
0: all right a few days after the apple tree theft johnson wakes up to find the wood pile by the barn was on fire and the wood pile is on fire and it quickly spreads to the barn and the whole structure falls down
1: oh damn
0: which is a big deal back then.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. You know,
0: so most people in the town who saw the wood pile, where it was, what was left of the barn, and they figured it had to be arson. It would mm-hmm. be really weird if it had spontaneously lit up. Yeah. So, with the dug up cellar and the hat that Johnson found and the way the Bourne brothers had been running their mouths, everyone in town saw- thought the fire had to be some sort of attempt on the part of the brothers to cover their tracks in killing Russell, right? Yeah. These are the clues we're starting to get. So you see the wheels turning Mm -hmm, in the town. mm -hmm. So... Now, close to six years after Russell disappeared, the town officials finally decide to start collecting evidence in the disappearance of <laughs> Russell Coleman.
1: <laughs> I guess that war thing didn't pan out. No, no, they were like, it's over and he's not back. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I we'd look into this.
0: So around this time, people started coming forward with all these stories of the things that the Bourne brothers had done around town, right? <laughs> so their character witnesses would be like, he chased me like 80 times and nobody <laughs> helped yeah, me, right? right? But- you know you come forward and you remember the guys that uh russell had talked to that day he was really mad and running through town so they come forward and they say steven said he's in hell steven said russell's in hell yeah and then people come forward and say sally was saying her brothers had told her that russell was in hell so they've heard a lot of the born brothers say russell's in hell Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and william wyman who was the the fake lawyer guy decided he was going to do a little personal investigating and he went over to Johnson's property and started digging around the barn, kind of thinking he was going to find Russell's corpse or a piece of it. And then when Steven found out about Wyman's corpse digging activity, he threatened to beat his ass, (laughs) which also maybe don't say that if you're getting investigated for murder.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, With the murder weapon of a tree branch. Yeah.
0: Right. So both brothers couldn't believe that people forgot Russell was kind of crazy and would wander off. Yeah. And he they were like, how can you think that we killed him? Like, obviously he left. He always leaves. Yeah. And people were countering with, well, he would never leave his hat behind. <laughs> And the brothers are like, that proves nothing. He was crazy. and not paying attention to his hat. And they're like, no. And that apple tree's gone, right? <laughs> right. So things are getting real hot. <laughs> You're getting really hot in Manchester, Vermont. <laughs> this is great. Okay. So in the spring of 1819, seven years after Russell's disappearance, Stephen and Jesse's uncle, Amos Bourne, started having visions. So Amos is a really well-respected elder statesman of the community, Mm -hmm. and he had a dream that Russell Colvin stood by the side of his bed and told him he was murdered. So Dream Russell then took Amos's hand and led him to the old potato hole in Johnson's Field.
1: (laughs) So crazy old Amos just... Comes forward with this.
0: He says he's had it. And then he had the dream several times. So he dreamt it once, he kept it to himself, filed it away. Right. And then after having the dream several times, Amos comes forward with his dream evidence. (laughs) And he's so respected that it's considered a solid piece of evidence (laughs) and it's entered into evidence against the Bourne brothers.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess his name is Amos. Doesn't that just seem like the name of some sort of
0: uh, wise mystic? mystic? Yeah. 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 So the running theory was that Jesse and Stephen dug Russell's corpse out of the potato hole, destroying the apple tree in Mm -hmm. the process, and then burned the body in Johnson's barn. Sally then came forward with the Where the Potatoes Don't Freeze line mm-hmm. from Steven. So one thing to remember, it's important to note that Sally has a vested interest in whether or not Russell's dead. Right. Right. Yeah. So when they did tell her that, she was like, you guys are so dumb. <laughs> like when you said like, what? What is he talking about? Yeah. Why did he say it like that? Sally's saying the same thing. Right. You know, she looked <laughs> yeah. at him and was like, you guys are so dumb. But now she's like, no, they said he buried it. The <laughs> yeah, potatoes right. don't freeze, right? Right. So, just for yes. what it's worth, okay. if he's dead, then she can swear her baby to whoever she wants. Yeah, she her wants. Her brother, to whatever. Be... Oh, God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, right after Amos goes public with his dreams, <laughs> Stop saying
1: it like that. <laughs> <That's a> ridiculous. <laughs> way to say this it. is all
0: for you. I've only, I literally wrote it like this for you. <laughs> and i don't know it's weird because i think like oh i wrote this for you yeah but really i just wrote every sentence to antagonize you a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> it's like i think it's really loving but then when i think about it you're like stop saying that and i'm like that is the action reaction i was looking for okay, okay. so Right after Amos went public with his dreams, yeah. a little boy was walking his dog, a little boy from the town, was walking his dog, and his dog starts going crazy around this old tree near Johnson's Bar. Mm-hmm. So the dog's barking, the kid's trying to hold him back, and the kid goes and reaches inside this hole. It's like... Um, like a hollowed out tree, mm-hmm. uh, reaches down inside and he finds like a pile of charred bones inside this hollowed tree. Mm-hmm. So the town is just totally up in
1: arms. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Charred bones? So they burned him at the barn and then put him in this other tree that was not burned down just close by?
0: Well, I mean,. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I think that's the theory of what's happened. And Uh I do think that theory makes some kind of sense. If you burn a body and there's bone fragments left and you don't know, what to do with them and you don't have time to burn them again Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what people were looking for it's like a skull or like Uh you know a femur or something that wouldn't burn up in the fire and so it makes sense to me that they're just like ah now we have bones we'll stuff (laughs) them in the tree right that does make sense to me i'm not (laughs) saying that's what happened
1: (laughs) yeah i mean and also the brothers are pretty dumb
0: yeah i mean they're dumb but you know nobody knows how to cover up a crime right in, and
1: it, apparently the whole town is just listening to an old man's dream so i, don't I mean
0: if-, if everyone's listening to the old man's dreams i don't know how comparatively stupid it is to then be stuffing bones in a, in a hollow tree right? Fair enough. so <laughs> the town sees the bones in the tree they're convinced jesse's arrested but Stephen saw the writing on the wall mm-hmm. and he is nowhere to be found. He's left. Mm-hmm. So the town organizes a search party to canvas the old Bourne farm, uh, slash Johnson's burned down barn, and the mm-hmm. potato hole where Amos's dream ghost led him. <laughs> yeah. And the men excavate the potato hole and they find a bunch of evidence. They find two knives, one being known to belong to Russell, a button carved out of a piece of bone some other random bones, and some pieces of broken pottery. So the mob takes all the evidence and they march back to the town with everything. (laughs) So everyone is like super excited to have this much evidence turned up so quickly. We've got Amos's dream, the potato hole, the dog finding the tree bones, all this stuff they found in the potato hole. It's all too good to be true. (laughs) (laughs) So Sally and the legal experts of the town, they go through all the evidence and they determine the bones to be from a human foot, the button to be Russell's, and the hat and knife as inconclusive. The next day, The hat is inconclusive? Yes. I thought that was the whole thing. No. Johnson said that's Russell's hat, but Sally was like, I don't know. I don't think that's Russell's hat.
1: (laughs) He doesn't wear fedoras. Yeah. He was a douchebag, but come on, he doesn't do that.
0: (laughs) They're like- they're at odds, so that's inconclusive. Okay. <laughs> I just love this story I so know, much, It's so wild. It has way more wild shit to happen, uh, too. I'm serious. I'm it's thinking. like it just keeps on giving. Okay. okay. So there's some doctors, there's lawyers, and mm-hmm. they're like laying all these objects out in the blanket. So that's how they determine everything. Human mm-hmm. foot may or may not be Russell's hat, definitely his button, okay. right? And the next day, one of the doctors who consulted comes back after studying a human skeleton that he normally keeps in his closet. And he says that not only were the bones not foot bones, they weren't human bones at all. So big, uh, big change there, right? So the town is like, how dare you say that? They're rebelling against the doctor. And everyone's like super, super upset.
1: Sorry, I had to put the microphone
0: Okay, So everyone's super, super upset. Um, So the remaining doctors who believe it was a foot go to a nearby town to dig up the foot of someone who had recently had their leg amputated. So after comparing the burnt bones with the amputated leg, everyone had to admit that they were not human bones, but probably animal bones. (laughs) So it's not a foot. It's so like a, It doesn't even look
1: like a foot. This is clearly a chicken carcass.
0: Right. I mean, that's what the guy said. I just love this idea of like, okay, so you, these are the two experts. <laughs> One guy's who's got a full skeleton at home in his closet. Yeah, right. And then the other guy is like, listen, I amputated this guy's foot. We can just go dig it up again. It's not like desecrating <laughs> a corpse. You know, he's still alive. Yeah. And then we can just solve this foot thing once and <laughs> for all. Why do they even bury
1: the amputated foot? You'd think they would keep that around for medical purposes purposes no he was like you know what i just want to give my foot a quick grave what if the doctor had killed russell and it was russell's skeleton
0: (laughs) (laughs) that would be such a good twist you are so good at crime (laughs) so stephen's gone jesse's in jail and the town is just screaming for justice for this man they forgot about for seven years right they need justice for russell colvin right so they decide to start jesse's trial the next day after they find out that it's animal bones so the prosecutor questions jesse (laughs) quit laughing (laughs) (laughs) the whole town's around right and they're they're assembled for this trial we've got lawyers we have the judge we have the townspeople watching and the prosecutor comes out and he starts questioning jesse about russell's hat and jesse says you know it might be russell's we don't know and then as they're addressing the inconclusive hat the prosecutor surprise attacks him by throwing what was believed to be russell's knife down in front of jesse so they're like oh what's the hat what's the hat and he goes (laughs) it <laughs> <laughs> throws this <laughs> knife. What? And Jesse gets startled. Yeah. And all of a sudden he just says, Yes, yes, my brother Stephen killed Russell. He doesn't even say whether or not it's Russell's knife. And then he says that last year he found Stephen getting drunk in town. And Stephen told Jesse that he had gotten into an argument with Russell in the backfield and cracked his skull open with a tree branch. Then. Jesse told the town a list of places where they could potentially find the body.
1: Hold on, time out. You're saying that the lawyer's (laughs) strategy was to startle him by throwing the knife at him? And so he did that and it worked?
0: Yeah. He was trying to be like, oh, is it Russell's hat? Oh, you don't know. You don't know if it's Russell's hat. How about this knife? (laughs) And it totally, totally worked. Yeah, he confessed to the whole thing. (laughs) so is that true yeah he just was like ah he did it steven did it he (laughs) killed him (laughs) he told me he He, killed him
1: i wonder if he really thought like these people are gonna like hang me up to die right here right now maybe he thought he was gonna get publicly executed
0: i'm sure he was very scared because at this point it's like what is it called playing 3d chess i mean (laughs) there's a lot of elements happening that you can't track if somebody has a dream you know then that makes you totally screwed you know so like it's like he doesn't know the twists and turns that are happening with evidence it's like i'm sure he was like is this legal ease for like you know i'm gonna stab you now he's never been to court he's just like he's like drunk guy who chases women
1: it is very ironic and some poetic justice that he was so uh, used Startled. to scaring women yes. jumping out around, from around corners that uh, that tactic is what brought him down and turned him into an immediate snitch against his he brother.
0: He snitched, so the entire to- town. Yeah. So the entire town tore apart the Johnson slash Born farm from top to bottom. They did,
1: huh? They just left the courthouse and went.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because they're like, we got to find the body. I mean, they put him back in jail. Yeah, right. right? But he confessed. They end the court proceedings. They all run (laughs) to the barn, and they just are tearing it apart. They're looking under cellars. They're looking under floorboards. They're looking for this body. This sounds like a Simpsons episode. They don't find body. Surprise, surprise. Okay. And the town decides at this point, we've got a confession, but Jesse doesn't know where the body is because Jesse didn't kill him. We got to find Stephen. So they decide we have to find Stephen. He has to be brought to justice at all Mm -hmm. costs. So they send a posse out to find Stephen. Turns out that was pretty easy. Because Stephen had told a few friends where he was going. He said, I'm going to Denmark, New York, and I'm going to go work on my friend's farm. Well, he wasn't even hiding.
1: No, <laughs> anyway. and like
0: people knew where he was. They're like, oh, you want to find
1: Stephen? <laughs> They're like at the trial. They're like, he disappeared once the barn burned down. They're like, no,
0: he was. He, he had planned trip and he just followed through. I'm dead serious that's yeah. pretty much how it came like it came out <laughs> yeah. it was just like oh that guy yeah he's <laughs> over there whose trial is this <laughs> so the prosecutor and two officers they go to denmark new york and they go straight to the only tavern in town yeah. and they ask the bartender eliezer s sylvester if he has seen a man named Stephen born and eliezer says yeah. He comes in here all (laughs) the time. He's living in that house right over there. Just wait here five seconds. He'll be out to startle a woman any moment. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that guy. Uh, So they immediately find him and arrest him and bring him back Mm -hmm. to Manchester, Vermont. So as soon as the brothers are reunited, Stephen calls Jesse a damned liar. Mm -hmm. And Jesse immediately recants his confession. (laughs) he's like, I got scared and I lied. Yeah. Right. They (laughs) threw
1: the knife at me. I figured you were gone. I forgot about the whole going to Denmark part. Right.
0: Exactly. He's (laughs) just like, I don't know. I panicked. He's like, you're (laughs) such a liar. And he goes, I, he didn't do it. Neither one of us did it. So now they're back to square one. There's no confession. Although it has been logged in as evidence, even though it's been recounted. So then they're like, we're never going to solve this. If we keep these two brothers together. So they Mm. separate the brothers in different cells and Jesse gets a new cellmate. And this man is this notorious forger and like grifter mm-hmm. named Silas Merrill. And back then, that was like a big deal, like forging, because there's no like signature checks. So if somebody's really good at taking people's identity and stuff like that. You can do a lot of damage. Hell yeah. You could
1: forge almost. I mean, it's. Literally, things are just pen on paper.
0: Exactly, yeah. So if
1: you're good at that, you could kind of get away with
0: anything. So he's a little bit of like a smart guy, right? Right, well, he got caught, I guess. He got caught, but But, he's in there. And after rooming with Jesse for a few days, Silas demands to speak to the presiding judge. And Silas goes in and he says, guess what, guys? Jesse made a full confession to me. He says... After Barney had visited Jesse in jail, Jesse was super distraught. Mm -hmm. And then while Silas was sleeping, Jesse woke up in the middle of the night and was just freaking out. And Jesse grabbed him and he says, listen, I have to tell someone what happened. And then he says, while Steven and Jesse were trying to beat Russell to death earlier in the field, they couldn't kill him. So... Their father, Barney, shows up and they say, Russell Colvin is beaten beyond recognition. There's not really a way to save him, but they just can't kill him from beating him. The boys have just kind of failed in that. <laughs> yeah, so, they're not good at
1: anything, apparently. Right.
0: So. And so Barney cut Russell Colvin's throat with a pen knife and then yeah. buried him in the potato cellar. Uh-huh. And Silas also added this detail that Stephen was actually wearing Russell's shoes after the murder around town and Jesse had to tell him to quit because Sally was going to notice. He said, Jesse, let me know that. (laughs) (laughs) So It's a very
1: convincing story from a person who's literally in jail for Telling convincing lies. Right, exactly. And Silas okay. says,
0: you know, the brothers had planned to take the blame of the murder onto themselves to spare their elderly father. Mm-hmm. So he's giving them all this new information. Barney's involved. Stephen was wearing Russell's shoes for a while. Right. Nobody noticed. The butcher used a penknife
1: yeah. because, of, you know, he didn't want to be too obvious by using one of his, you know, trade tools right. for the murder. <laughs>
0: exactly. So then they go out and they arrest Barney Bourne. For the murder of Russell Coleman, who then was immediately released after the brothers told the judge Silas was a dirty liar.
1: <laughs> so literally, all you have to do back then is say someone did something, they get arrested, and someone else has to say that person's a liar, and then they they got just lets, yeah. The go. only
0: twist in this one yeah. is that even though Jesse denied confessing anything to Silas, Silas's testimony was entered into evidence. And he was set free on a plea bargain. (laughs) So they let Barney go. Yeah. Right. But they still entered Silas's testimony into evidence and they let Silas go.
1: That is insane. Okay.
0: So now Barney's out. Silas is out for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) The two brothers are still in. Okay. Yeah. So eventually Stephen sits down with his lawyers and he quote unquote writes a confession. And... The confession closely follows all the circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. The only new bit of information is that Russell struck Stephen first, according to Stephen. So Stephen actually killed him with a tree branch in Mm self-defense. So it seems like the confession was kind of made to establish that, you know, since it was self-defense, he wasn't really, shouldn't really be charged with murder and deserved a lesser charge of manslaughter. And generally across the board, the confession is like really suspect. Stephen is believed to be pretty low IQ and he didn't go to school. He went to school for like three years or something like that. And yeah. the la- like language is like, on the day at which I murdered my brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very uh, yeah. colloquial, like not colloquial at all.
1: Yeah, like some sort of official transcript of how a lawyer would write it or exactly.
0: something. Exactly. It's like, then I did the dirty best very thoroughly <laughs> uh it just seemed really obvious that the lawyers wrote it even uh, the judge at a certain point commented that this is obviously a coerced confession that yeah, you wrote
1: like, hey steven can you uh say any of the words on this page can you read this page <laughs> yeah, right. like,
0: no so even though that's the case the confession's recorded and so then they start the trial again Mm-hmm. And people come from all over Vermont to attend the trial. It was so many people in the town. They had to move the trial to a larger building to accommodate all the spectators. And every spectator who came in from out of town was like 100% Stevens guilty.
1: Well, you know, I'm sorry. These people don't have movie theaters or Netflix. They just got out of this huge winter. Yeah. There was a war. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: People are... Like, damn, this is going to be so exciting. They need something. So, packed courtroom, tons of people from out of town, you know, the full trial, it's, mm-hmm. like, going on. So, the evidence is a little thin. <laughs> this yeah. is our evidence. Stevens cursing of Russell to hell. Yeah. To several different people. The testimony from Silas the Grifter. <laughs> You have Stephen's confession, which the presiding judge definitely thought was coerced. Sally actually ended up testifying in favor of her brothers, saying Mm. Russell had a history of wandering off and wasn't really right. Yeah. But basically, all in all, the defense did not impress the jury, and both brothers were sentenced to hang. Damn. The brothers go back. They get their hanging date set and everybody leaves the town and the town kind of quiets down right mm-hmm. so we know the brothers are going to be hanged and it's been resolved but after the trial a few of the town's people feel bad so they end up writing letters to the governor because they want to see if they can get their sentences commuted from hanging you
1: mean after their burning torches and pitchforks kind of like got put to the side and they realized
0: you know are we just an angry vigilante mob that rooted for these kids to die they did they were like i i we got to sign this petition and a bunch of people in town signed it (laughs) And He's they had buyer's said buyer's remorse, basically. And they said it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And the Supreme Court like gets it, and their judges are kind of like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. <laughs> right? Whatever. They're like we did this for you. <laughs> right? You guys were the ones screaming for bloody justice. So they actually end up commuting Jesse's sentence to life, but mm-hmm. Stephen still gets a hanging. So his okay. court date, is his hanging date, is coming up. He's still going to be hung. Mm-hmm. Now. Low IQ Stephen had a little trick up his sleeve. He actually came up with a pretty good idea. He told his lawyers to advertise in the papers for Russell to see if he shows up. So it's a little twist in this. He says, just put an ad in the paper and be like, hey, Russell, Stephen's getting hung for your murder. If you're still alive, come home.
1: So you're saying that they have never even looked for Russell?
0: No, not once. No one has looked for Russell the entire time. So he says the mountains
1: sell- that he's constantly disappearing to, no. no one like went for a stroll?
0: No, I mean, it has been like seven years <laughs> at this point. But yeah, nobody has looked for Russell at all at this point.
1: Well, they did a big manhunt for the brothers, <laughs> right? I know, I know. <laughs> They're like... No one thought to
0: give a looky-loo for the... (laughs) They didn't look, they didn't ask, nothing happened. So the lawyer's like, well, I guess, whatever. And he runs the ad in a few papers, as well as kind of a big showy article in the Evening Post. And that article still kind of acts like steven's guilty the article itself talks about amos's dream and how <laughs> and this amazing case that was solved by a dream but in it they're like but russell if you're still alive yeah contact manchester vermont because this guy's about to be hung."
1: and steven's lawyers did that yeah so they think he's guilty too everybody
0: thinks he's guilty literally everybody Yeah. so far away in new york city a bunch of guys are standing around and they're talking about the news article they have it out and this man named Welpley tells the group oh this guy Russell who died I knew him when I was living in Manchester Vermont and he's telling stories because he's kind of a character yeah. he's always been a character right. so he's telling all these stories about Russell and his wife and all that kind of stuff and based on Welpley's stories and description of russell there's a guy in the group called taber chadwick Mm -hmm. and he realizes that he had also met russell because russell was working on his brother-in-law's farm currently yes so he writes a letter to the evening post taber does yeah and all the people of manchester vermont uh and he writes this letter and it's filled with the details of Russell's life and his personality and a full physical description. And he's like, Russell is alive and well. He's at my brother-in-law's farm and nobody cared. (laughs) (laughs) The town was like, no, he's not. (laughs)
1: Tabor what kind of name even is that they didn't
0: care at all the people who had newspapers read it they were like that's not Russell (laughs) and then the postmaster general of Manchester who's supposed to post the news didn't even bother posting the letter publicly (laughs) but in New York when Welpley went back and read the printed notice he decided he had to find this guy Chadwick Tabor and then figure out what the location of his brother-in-law's farm was uh-huh. and then travel there to find russell he's like i've got to do it this guy's gonna be hung yeah you know and there's- i
1: remember russell i'd like to maybe figure out if he's actually dead or
0: right because he's like somebody who actually knows knows him yeah. you know and he's like and I, and I think i really could recognize him and he's yeah. like i'm the guy so welpley talks to this guy Tabor. he gets the name of the brother-in-law's farm and he travels out to upstate new york to this farm yeah. and The brother-in-law says, sorry, there's no one named Russell Colvin who works for me. And Welpley says, okay, let me give you a description. So he gives him a description of the man in question. And brother-in-law is like, maybe I have the guy for you. So he leads Welpley out, way out in the middle of this field to this man. And the man turns around and it's Russell freaking (laughs) Colvin. (laughs) so well was like russell man
1: so the literally the first person that tried to find him found found him, him really fast Immediately.
0: he's like russell man what's up and russell's like i'm not russell <laughs> tried to pretend he was somebody else uh-huh. but eventually he was convinced to talk about his quote-unquote old life mm-hmm. but he said flat out i refuse to return to vermont i'm not gonna go mm-hmm well, Plea is begging him. He's saying, you know, this guy, Stephen, is going to die. <laughs> Definitely Russell's like, that I do not care <laughs> yeah, about. Right. And then what he does is he finally convinced Russell to leave the farm and go to New York City by getting a cute young lady to invite him on a sightseeing tour, which I just think is funny because this is the order of operations. Yeah. Russell Colvin's in a field, work in the field. Guy comes up. Hey, man, I know who you are. Come to Vermont to help. Me with that, dealing with your brother no 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 I won't be doing that and then he's like oh man please no 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 thank you and then that guy leaves and then a girl comes up and she's like you are so handsome. Do you want to go on a sightseeing tour with me? <laughs> I know no
1: woman would ever walk into the middle of a field. <laughs> You've been working here for seven years. And I really realize that no lady has ever shown any interest in you. And you never even see us on your farm. But here I am. Would you show me the Empire State Building?
0: <laughs> and he's like, absolutely. So he goes with her to New York. Like, so he's
1: immediately tricked. He's immediately tricked. Everyone him. is tricked in this story every time anyone attempts anything.
0: So they go to New York and the girl immediately ditches Russell in New York as soon as they get there because Russell is being a total weirdo. He's like freaking out about, oh, I'm sorry. I said upstate. He was in New Jersey. I was wrong. He wasn't in he, the farm of the brother-in-law was uh-huh. in New Jersey, not upstate New okay. York, which makes more sense geographically. Okay. So right. anyways, so he's like, I got to get back to New Jersey. I got to go. I got to go and she freaks out. She leaves because you're like, you're too intense and
1: (laughs) guys from Manchester just do not have a way with the ladies. I know
0: and eventually Russell throws such a huge fit about being away from New Jersey that Welpley's like, fine, I'll just take you home. I won't take you to Vermont. I won't give you a tour of New York City. I'll just take you home. Welpley then tells Colvin that because British ships are offshore in the harbor that they would have to take a circuitous route back to New Jersey. So with this subterfuge... <laughs> are these <laughs> words you wrote? Yes. <laughs> welpley, coaxed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what's funny is in my brain, yeah. I use and know those words all the time, but I don't speak them normally. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing about writing more now. Yeah. You're just like, why did I write that? In my brain, I'm like, yeah.
1: The Circulitous Subterfuge. I know.
0: circuitous Subterfuge. I know what... I, I I read those words and know them, but it's... I would dare you to read them. They're very hard to <laughs> I say. I wouldn't write them
1: <laughs> to begin with. Okay. Uh,
0: so with this subterfuge, yeah. uh, Welpley coaxed Colvin into a stagecoached bounce. See, I can't say anything. <laughs> Basically, Wellfleet just tricks him into getting into a a stagecoach bound for Manchester. So he says, yeah, yeah, man, I'll take you home to New Jersey. We just got to go around this way. Gets him on a stagecoach. They're going back to Manchester. Uh, So Wellfleet sends a message ahead to someone who apparently yelled all the way to the courthouse that Russell was alive and on his way. So they take Stephen out of the courthouse. And this is something I don't understand, but this is like the account of what happened All right. they allowed him to shoot off a cannon <laughs> so i don't know if that's like
1: wait what what do you what, what like you in about?
0: celebration yeah. they oh, were like fireworks yeah
1: they're like russell's coming russell's coming get the cannon ready you're like are get you him ready, ready and light it, it? no let's let steven light he's it. not gonna die man <laughs> <laughs> remember I, that guy we thought was a murderer let's give him the biggest weapon we know
0: i don't It might be one of those things that's just sometimes people just throw in things to spice it up. Yeah. Like, so the book that I read and I'll talk about later is like uh, they put together these historical stories based on people's accounts. Sure. But I mean, like people's accounts vary. Like that could have been another weirdo dude who's like the reporter's like what happened he's like yeah we got him a cannon you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean yeah. that's about accurate sometimes <laughs> things like that are but i mean all this stuff really happened like you know i i went and researched that grifter silas because yeah. they use that in case law or something or like yeah. it was some example of like the certain type of historical way of having a plea bargain yeah so anyway it's like there's stuff written about this case okay so this part was just like what
1: (laughs) so the town is having a celebration in anticipation of russell's return exactly and they have a cannon ready to rock everyone's world
0: right and the stagecoach shows up and russell colvin gets out and everyone goes apeshit they're so excited russell and steven shake hands and then they laugh about that the, the town thought he had been murdered. <laughs> They're like, whoa, that was crazy. And then just to see what his reaction would be, the crowd grabbed Sally and pulled her into like the thrush of people, like yeah. like right in the center, mm-hmm. and pushed her into Colvin. And was like, hey, it's Sally. What do you think, Russell? And he just looks at her and he says, that's all over and done with and walks away. Oh, damn. <laughs> he's like, I left you in a mountain
1: 10 times and the 11th was the last.
0: It's yeah, like, like, get it. So everyone's so excited. <laughs> Poor Sally. I know.
1: I mean, that's so publicly humiliating. They like grabbed her and shoved her. She's like, I don't even want to be here. I was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's it's lame i don't know sometimes i think she's got a lot of confidence though she's a pretty interesting gal she's just like whatever i think she's just kind of doing her thing (laughs) yeah right uh so manchester officials super pumped everybody's like he's not dead so they send this letter to the supreme court so now this Mm -hmm. is the second letter the supreme court's getting first it was don't hang this guy and then they get a letter from the town being like, actually, he was this guy. Russell Coleman wasn't even dead.
1: <laughs> Some poor uh, like a intern to the judge is like, excuse me, sir. I'm so sorry. May I enter your chambers? I've got another letter from Manchester.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. So they responded by saying they don't believe the man is actually Russell. <laughs> they say fat chance we're not going to appeal this sentence yeah i mean we're not going to like throw out this case he's got a date to be hung and none of us believe this is actually russell you guys are totally off the rails <laughs> you have to stop sending us letters right <laughs> and he said they say a full examination has to be made yeah and at this point steven's execution was just literally days away Mm -hmm. so they're like we can't do anything and things are being done by letter so it's not like this is a really speedy process yeah
1: right except for i guess the hanging is really speedy
0: well apparently it is so the town officials take uh russell colvin to the local tavern and they start testing his knowledge of the town this is a full examination so they say like who. Do the different farms belong to Mm. what year did the post office burn down? (laughs) Who makes the best biscuits in town? like
1: Weird towny knowledge. Yeah,
0: exactly. And they're just asking him all these things about the town. And it's like nothing that anyone who hadn't lived there would, would not know. And he passes this thing with flying colors. So, At this point, Stephen is still scheduled to hang and the bureaucracy involved of overturning his sentence and proving Russell's identity is looking like that literally would take too long and wouldn't be completed until after Stephen was hung. So in a rush, they take the results from the full examination and all the paperwork they have and they rush it to this judge, Judge Brayton. Um, from the Supreme Court for review. So they take it to this really specific judge and they say, please review this. This guy is going to hang. We need you to read these papers. And he reviews the evidence and he sits down and Judge Brayton tells Stephen's lawyer that it's just too late to change anything. He says, my hands are tied. I know you got the paperwork. I know he's going to be hung, but I can't file this fast enough to stop him from being hung. So I don't really have an idea unless you have some sort of bright idea, my hands are tied. And the lawyer, young guy, brand new attorney, he does have a bright idea. Instead of getting Stephen's sentence overturned, which would take too long, Mm -hmm. he just asks for a brand new trial. And at the brand new trial, they try him again for Russell Colvin's murder. Yeah. And they submit the evidence that Russell's still alive. He's literally in town, <laughs> yeah. And then Stephen is free. <laughs>
1: okay, I guess that worked.
0: It happened like a day before his execution. <laughs> Damn. And uh, yeah, that's how that whole thing resolved. After the trial, Stephen and Jesse, the brothers, they're like, I can't live here anymore. We don't have any land. They moved to Ohio. Stephen later went insane. <laughs> <laughs> and Russell Colvin made an appearance in a New Jersey museum as the Living Dead Man. So oh he had, so he turned his thing to a little hustle, yeah. He had a little little bit of fame towards the end. Nice. people were like, so this guy didn't want to leave New Jersey yeah. went on this grand adventure. And then on the way back, you got to be in a museum <laughs> and in New Jersey when he got yeah. home. Yeah. And then uh, even today, literally today, people in Manchester know this story yeah. and still believe that Stephen got away with murder and Russell was a paid imposter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. I feel like this
1: is just a story about the true power of the spoken word or something. You know, it's just like people hear a thing and they're like, "Okay, yeah, Mm -hmm, let's go with that. Yeah. People are just like so wrapped up in it. I mean, there was a man, this guy Johnson was like, oh, yeah, I watched this fight and that was Russell's hat.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and it turns out the fight was just like they did fight. Yeah. And they did hit him with the tree branch. Yeah. But Russell just woke up and is like, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> and he right. left. It was like that was the so catalyst. That's what happened. Yeah. Right, he was just like, I'm done. I hate yeah. my wife. She hates me. Yeah. We're not having enough sex. <laughs> I like, I don't know. I hate these boulders. I have to dig these boulders out yeah, of the ground. Right. I don't want to be a farmer. I keep leaving. And when I come back, they keep giving me this stupid farm. And then he gets there and they tell me I don't dig the boulders good enough. <laughs> And so when when Stephen said that, he punched him in the face. He's like, I hate you guys. Yeah, yeah, right. And then they started beating him, and they did knock him out. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, you gave me a thrashing that day. It's like <laughs> what he said in front of the courthouse. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that was crazy. And he woke up, and he was just like, fuck this, I'm leaving. And yeah. he went out into the mountains and to New Jersey.
1: Ah, uh, well god bless him what did what did i guess amos didn't have anything i was like what did amos have to say for himself it's like yeah he had some dreams he probably just i was probably thinking about it all the time well he's
0: like dreams aren't always literal <laughs> when you're a psychic like me you know, you have to interpret them loosely <laughs> i just see
1: him literally as gandalf yeah <laughs> All right. What were your sources? Just scrolls you found? No,
0: no. I read this book and it's absolutely great. If you're Uh, into old timey crimes, this book has just the most fun stories in it. It's called Famous Old New England Murders, colon, and some that are infamous. (laughs) (laughs) which i just love i feel (laughs)
1: like they're really following that stephen tradition of not exactly nailing the zippy (laughs) like title thing
0: so famous old new england murders and some that are infamous from richard Dempa wolf um it's a great book, and I'd super recommend it if you like these historical crimes, especially set in New England. And you know, those guys are wild.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of wild, Muriel, thank you so much for telling me the story. This was a particular—I don't know if I just got the giggles or what. I don't know why I thought it was so funny. You like this one? It was very, very—it <laughs> was really silly to me. It just the whole thing. I said it once. It really did feel like a Simpsons episode. You know how they're yeah. just constantly getting like wrapped up in like mob violence, right, I right. and I. Feel I feel like because of how much the oral tradition really plays a part in this story, I feel like you're sort of contributing to that very tradition right here, right now with that podcast.
0: Right, with just a little pinch of snark.
1: you so much for listening to muriel's murders muriel did all the research and the writing as uh. we learned this episode <laughs> little how the sausage gets made uh, and i do all the sound engineering editing and post-production
0: work to help support the podcast and to unlock exclusive episodes please sign up for our patreon at www.patreon.com slash muriel's murders one of our uh, recent patreon episodes features Dr. Pignataro, who invented, um, well, he's super evil and did a lot of terrible things, but one thing he did was invent a snap-on toupee. You heard me right. The snaps are embedded in your skull. (laughs) Okay,
1: great. Uh, We also draw and animate little bonus uh, cartoons on our social media, at Muriel's Murders. We work on them together. We love them. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok.
0: Mm, the cartoons are very good.
1: Our DMs are open and you can email us at murielsmurders at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from
0: you. And like we said, please rate and review Muriel's Murders on Apple Podcast. Listen, it helps us grow. Just do it. I know it's annoying, but do it.
1: Music is by Mario Casolini Find him on Instagram at Casolini Beats. And
0: thank you to Ryan and Ryan at Campfire Media.
1: And if you want more of us us doing our podcast thing and you want to see what it's like when we podcast about something besides true crime stories find us every monday on our other podcast hella in your 30s and you know we've been doing that one for years so there's a lot of nick and muriel out there's there.
0: there's a lot of nick and muriel out there pretty intense
1: <laughs> okay all right we'll see you next wednesday Bye
0: bye wanted to hear the story of the time that Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine's kid had a two hour long tantrum that drove generations of their family to weep? Or maybe the story of SNL's Bobby Moynihan's kid who found random pizza in a playground sandbox and ate it. If so, you should check out Why Mommy Drinks a weekly comedy podcast where I, Betsy Stover, talk to interesting people like Richard Jefferson from the NBA or Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend about a time that their kids broke them down into a shell of their former selves or maybe even drove them to drink. But in a fun way. If you have kids, this show will make you feel less alone. And if you don't have kids, you're going to be so glad you don't have kids. Listen on Campfire Media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.
1: My mommy
0: drinks Campfire.